25 minutes now. <laughs> All right, we're going to jump into I know you guys are champs, man. I don't need to baby this, right? 15 minutes? What's going on here? Come on, man. Let's go to Mark chapter 6. Okay? Excited to, again, uh, the testimonies. There's a wonderful psalm that says that uh, the testimonies, your testimonies are our counselors. Uh, all those testimonies that you heard tonight are counseling us in something. And so I want to encourage you guys to think about what you heard because God is speaking through them a particular thing. Like, for example, Courtney's was about reconciliation, right? God goes after the, 90, uh, the one and leaves the 99, like puts in our heart the pursuing her father. Just the ministry of reconciliation, right? So there's a lot of beautiful things that God speaks through these testimonies. So I encourage you to just think about them um, throughout the week. Uh, so Mark chapter 6, uh, we're going to dive into this particular verse, verse 45. Again, Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for using the next 20 to 25 minutes and making it feel like an hour. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> He's that good. So immediately, this is right after the feeding of the 5,000. Verse 45, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at, at rowing for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed that it was a ghost and cried out, and they, and they cried out. And for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. For they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. Now, uh, I want to do a quick part two of my, the last time I shared about being diligent to guard your heart. The Lord put this on my heart for us tonight to dig a little bit deeper in this particular subject. So we just read this incredible, in a sense, a miracle that Jesus comes and enters into a boat. He tells them to go to the other side. They're having some trouble. And he comes. And he's like, basically, I don't know if he was moonwalking. I don't know what's happening. But they notice him and they're freaking out. And he comes into the boat, and, the, and the, the wind ceases, and, you know, he should be a good chair. But look at the incredible reality of these last two verses here that I want us to focus in on. It says, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled, for they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. So the previous miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, was supposed to communicate something to the disciples they were supposed to receive. And because they had not understood it, because of the condition of their hearts, they were amazed. Think about that. Sometimes we see God show up and we're amazed. And a lot of times it's an indicator that your heart's hardened. Right? Message over. <laughs> the reality is sometimes we get these emotional experiences and we don't understand that underneath that, God is trying to build upon and expose something about our hearts. Right? So that was the first point. Your reaction to a miracle reveals your heart. 
In this case, their amazement was a sign of not understanding the point of the previous miracle. Why? Because of the hardness of the heart. So the fruit of hardness of heart is lack of understanding of who he is and what he's up to in your life. Think about that. The fruit of hardness of heart is not understanding who he is and what he's doing in your life. This is why it's so important to be diligent to guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. Jesus appears. It's a sign and wonder. It's amazing to them. They're amazed and, and marveled. But that amazement was a sign that they did not understand what was happening. So in a sense, if they would not have been amazed and Jesus would have walked into the boat and they would have just been like, oh, hey, what's up, man? Like, how you doing, Jesus? It would have been a sign that they understood what happened with the 5,000. They would have been like, oh, this is Jesus. He could do this. He's able to do whatever he wants. Because we just experienced an amazing miracle that he fed 5,000 people. Right? So don't trust in this amazing feeling and miss what he's really saying. Because miracles, even throughout the Gospels, are pouring to deeper things. So let's go back to verse 30 and let's look at the feeding of the 5,000 and see what God is trying to communicate to us. Okay? So, let's cut into verse 34. And Jesus, when he had came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them, because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Okay? And then it says, when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. Now, interestingly enough, you, this story is repeated in other Gospels, but in John's version, the Bible says that he was going to test Philip and see what Philip was going to do. Now, I want to test you, Philip, right now to find out how you're going to respond to this real-life situation. Now, this is awesome because if you back up the truck a little bit, you notice that the test came out of him experiencing compassion, and he's on mission. What's his mission? He's gathered the 12 guys, and he's training them to be disciples. He wants them to become disciples. They're, they haven't arrived yet. Obviously, we just read they don't understand who he is, and they're freaking out. So he's setting up this particular situation to test them, like, hey, bro, I want to find out what's going to come out of you when a real-life situation pops up. That was, that's the John, John 6 version, right? And you see the different responses here. They say, hey, man, send them away. You know, this is the deserted place. There's nothing here to eat, right? But then he answered and said, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii of worth of bread and give them something to eat? Right? So part of the response is their natural response was they were looking at their particular resources. Right? God, many times, as we're getting discipled, he tests us to see if we're looking at our resources or him. He says, if we had 200 denarii, this wouldn't work out. Right? So they're still working out of the plane, the natural plane, right? And Jesus is making disciples, and he's like, man, I'm going to use this to test them. And again, the platform is compassion. He's like, I'm gonna, out of this compassionate heart, I'm going to use the situation to test my disciples. I want to find out what's in them. Do they really believe who I am? 
Do they understand who's in their presence? So, um, <clears throat> the fact that they actually looked to those resources was a sign that they're still in process. It was a sign that their hearts were still hardened because the hardened heart looks to natural things. A hardened heart looks to natural resources. That's the inclination. We ain't got the money. We can't do this. We can't do that. We can't, we can't, we can't. But Jesus is right there. He's like, you haven't even asked me. I love John's version. He said, he already knew what he was going to do. He said, I already know what I'm going to do. I just want to find out what's in you right now. Right? So it's powerful. So then you scroll down. And then he said, but how many loaves do we have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make all, all of them sit down in groups and on green grass. And they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. It's interesting. Part of God testing our hearts is how receptive you are to orders. Do you view God's word as an option or a command? Right? That's one of the tests of the heart. He, said, he tells them, you're going to, we're going to do this in order. We're not going to do this like we're on Fullerton hanging out and just do whatever we want. We're going to put you guys in order, 50s, 100s, and they have to respond to his commands. Even though it doesn't make sense. Like, the disciples don't know what's happening here. Like, why are we sitting in order here? We only got five loaves and two fish. What's happening here? Who cares if we're sitting in groups? But they did what he asked them to do. Right? So it's important that we are people with hearts that respond to orders and that we don't buck back because somehow we think we're in charge. Okay? These are just indicators of hardened hearts. Because, again, that previous the next miracle reveals that their hearts are still hardened. And things haven't really broken through for them to really understand who's in their corner. Who's discipling them? Because they're being discipled through the test. They're being discipled. And so are we through real-life situations. Okay? So then he commanded again. I'll scroll down, verse 41. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed, and broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So another key piece is, in another version it says that, I think Andrew said, man, what is the, what are these two fish and, you know, five loaves and two fish? What is this compared to all these people? Right? One of the keys that I believe God is trying to communicate with us is, are you thankful for what you have right now? Can you actually be thankful for the little you may have right now? Because thankfulness and generosity lead to multiplication. Thankfulness and generosity lead to multiplication. Because he blesses the bread and he breaks it. He's thankful. It says in John, he's thankful. And all of a sudden, there's multiplication that comes out of that. And another wild part is that he uses the disciples to distribute the food. So thank God that even if you have a hardened heart, he can use you. Shaka bonky there. Okay, some of you guys are waiting for this perfect heart. Like, hallelujah, Lord, I'm ready now. Like, he's actually, when I can think about it, discipleship has nothing to do with your perfection. It has to do with his commitment, and he knows where you are to bring you through a process to make you look like him, right? And that's what's happening. He's like, oh, you guys are, you have a hardened heart. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to use you. He uses them to distribute the food. So they're partnering with him even though they have a heart issue. Come on, somebody. <laughs> That should liberate half of you guys in here, right? 
The reality is, you know, we, we have to understand that Jesus' way of discipling things is not based on how we think we should be discipled. We disqualify ourselves many times from the process. And he's like, listen, I'm walking you through this miracle. You're failing the test. But he provides even though you failed. That's the next point. They fail the test, but he still provides for them and everybody else. And on top of that, he leaves over 12 baskets left over. Some serious, you know, cross-culture leftovers right there. I don't know if you guys realize that sometimes we have these meals and there's a lot of food left. I'm like, holy smokes, the Lord multiplied. But the reality is, this is one of the key points here. Jesus has unlimited power to reach you in your deserted place. Remember where they were. They were in a deserted place. And he is not limited to your, where you're at. He can reach you with unlimited power to provide for everyone's need and then some. And then some. There's 12 baskets left. That's not coincidence. There's 12 disciples. It's like, bro. You guys don't get this yet? Like, I can't imagine Jesus feels like, I hope they're getting this. I hope they really, they hope the message is really coming across. And that's why the next miracle, is, in a sense, is a little bit of a disappointment. Because they are still not getting what's happening. And he reveals the situation. It's the issue of a hardened heart that I have to walk you through. Now, I don't have the time tonight to go through other areas of how your heart can be hardened, but I'll just throw this out. How you handle the law is one way. How you handle the law is very important to how your heart can be hardened or not. I'll give you some notes on that after. But right now, I want you guys to focus in on what's happening here. So then, failing a test doesn't mean God won't provide. He is faithful to continue to disciple you. Remember, you're his child who is currently being discipled, not an employee. You're not a hired hand. You're a son or a daughter. And because of that, now you really can embrace the process of a father teaching a child some of the things. Hey, I'm a father of four. I know what it is. My kids get hardened in a certain area. I don't take away their cereal because of it. I don't pay the bills and just, you know, oh, you know, you, you're a hot mess, so I ain't going to give you no food tonight. I'm not going to provide? Like, what's, what's happening here? Like, we have this weird concept of who the father is. We have to really rejoice in the fact that these stories are speaking of his care despite our weaknesses. And his commitment to walk us through. As a matter of fact, Jesus is like, you know what, that 5,000 wasn't enough, so I'm going to feed the 4,000. And amazingly enough, these guys still don't get it. And I'll prove it to you. Go to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, the next chapter over, or two chapters over, he feeds the 4,000. They're basically asking the same question. What are we going to do here? We don't have enough. I can't imagine Jesus' face. Like, we just... You know, there's a part in the Bible where he says, like, he, he asks you, how long must I endure? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I get it. I get it, Jesus. I get it. I, I've done some, you know, counseling and all this stuff. And, I, and sometimes I'm like, wow, when is this person going to get it? Look at the testimonies this person's had in their life. I'm like, 
Wow. It just reminds me of the hardness, the power of the hardness of heart. But it also encourages me because, again, Jesus is the one discipling us, and he's going to build his church. He's not going to walk away because you fail a test. He's not going to walk away. And he's not going to stop providing for you because you fail a test. Come on, somebody. So, Mark 8. Oh, gosh. See, I'm already wrapping up. I'm not messing around. I'm not messing around. All well, you guys are hungry. Mark chapter 8, verse 13. <laughs> and it says, he says this, and this is after the 4,000 are filled, are fed. He says, and he left them, getting into the boat again, and departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. And he charged them, saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, it is because we have no bread. My God, help us. <laughs> wow. It's just so wow. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes do you not see, and having ears you do not hear, and you do not remember. Wow. And when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, 12. I can imagine they said, 12. <laughs> and he said, right. Right. <laughs> also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets of full fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. So he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? Right? There's a, a, one of my favorite, oh, one of my favorite miracles in Mark. is Mark chapter 2. Jesus runs into, he's preaching. And these men come and say, man, we're hearing the word. And this guy who's paralyzed, um, he needs a miracle. So they tear, you guys know the story. They open up the roof and they lower him down. The Bible says he saw their faith. He saw their faith, and he forgave his sins, right? And then there was a little bit, the Pharisees were like, man, bro, you're blaspheming, bro. You don't have the right to do this. Now think about this. Jesus says, oh, so that you may know that I have the right to forgive sins on the earth, take up your bed and walk. You know what I'm saying? And the guy gets up and he's walking. Now, again, everyone's like, oh, my God, this is an amazing miracle. They're all caught up in the miracle. Like, wow, he's walking out of here. No, don't miss the point. He's telling you that he has the right to forgive your sins. That's why he did it. He has the authority to forgive anyone's sin. Right there in that moment. Now, some people walked out of there and were like, man, I'm going to just make up a name. Johnny, he's walking now. That's awesome. Some people walked out of this head, forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. Forgive me. I want to be forgiven right now. Understand what's happening in these miracles. <clears throat> so again, they had to learn to focus on the importance of humility, repentance, and softening their hearts and learning how to care for their hearts. He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Herod. So up to that point before Jesus shows up, they're feeding on the wrong things. They're eating the wrong bread. 
And that bread is leading them to having a hardened heart. This is why Jesus says, I am the living bread. You eat of this bread, oh, and you're going to understand a whole lot. But you got to actually be willing to say, man, some of the things in my heart that are causing this hardness, I need to repent of. And that's why I mentioned the law earlier. There's other passages that really speak into this, and we can get into it another time. But the reality is, this particular, the, the process of discipleship is about people being in Jesus' presence and being willing to let him reshape and change their hearts. It's not about you getting everything right. It's about are you willing to let him teach you? Are you willing to have a heart that's so soft that when a miracle happens, you're not caught up in an actual miracle, which is great. I mean, it's awesome. It has a place to celebrate. But you're catching. You're catching something beyond the miracle that's going to give you strength. And even if he comes and visits you again, you're not like, oh, my God, this is amazing. No, you're like, man, this is my guy. My guy's here. <laughs> not going to marvel me. This has become a pattern in my life that he comes to visit me. I'm obeying him and he's manifesting himself. He says that. If you love me, keep my commandments. The disciple learns to obey through love and now Jesus is manifesting himself to him and the Father and they're not freaking out about it. This is part for the course, baby. This is discipleship 101. That's why, again, Sometimes we just have to guard our hearts when we experience things. And I, I wanted to sow that to you guys because we are experiencing some great things. But even as I was there listening to the testimony, I'm like, Holy Ghost, what are you speaking to us? So when people come up here and share, man, take the time. Rejoice. Hallelujah. But take the time. But Lord, what are you speaking to me right now? What are you speaking to us that we need to embrace? Right? Because, again, this is being diligent to guard your heart. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss that and just rejoice over, you know, a miracle. It happened a lot in the Gospels, and many people didn't get saved. Many people didn't get saved. Even the disciples, again, so even at the resurrection, are still in unbelief and struggling. So don't, don't think that your heart's somewhere that you're like, oh, you're, I'm good. Like, no, we're always descending as a people. We're always going low because we know there's so much more to grow in. We know there's so many things we do miss that God has to repeat, just like the miracles of the feeding of the 5,000. He's got to do it again. And he's got to do it again and do it again until you get it. It's like, I'm going to walk you through this one again. So I'm done. Right? Just, just, a, just, just a quick blast. But I, I, I encourage you guys. I, I'm not going to drop the mic. It's not mine. It's, uh, it's Mount Olive. But, but I, I just want to encourage you guys again. Remember that key piece. He tests, but he still provides through your failure and tests. And me personally... I mean, I've seen that so many times over. Where people are like, man, you must be really trusting God. Somebody goes, you have no idea how much I fail sometimes. And God's like, I'm going to be good. Look, look, look at Alicia's testimony. Chuck-a-bunky. She is literally fighting God. Like, literally fighting God. And God said, let me love you, girl. Let me respond to your prayer. I'm going to show you what a daughter looks like. How I treat my daughter. 
So we got to get this religious stuff out of our heads here. We have to see our discipleship through the lens of Scripture and be thankful for that. Philip was, and all these men were, and they were provided for, even though they were in process. So, Father, thank you again for tonight. Thank you for the wonderful testimonies. They are our counselors. You are speaking to us through every testimony. I thank you for this passage in Mark and in John, that, Lord, you are unveiling at times our hardness of heart because you want us to get it, the real things, not just to be fed, but to get it, to get who you are, so that when you come to visit us and you manifest yourself to us, that we're not amazed by that. We're just like, wow, you're, you're back, and this is awesome. And we're growing more and more in love with you, Father. Give us these soft hearts that you long for. That, Lord, when we hear your word, we're just captivated by what you're saying. And we're discerning what's on your heart. And we're not missing it because we haven't taken care of our hearts, Lord. So give us that diligence. Continue to just release a diligence in your people uh, to be mindful of their hearts. And to just, um, yeah, and to continue to just trust that what you say, even though we may not understand it, is the work of the Spirit to disciple us, to make us look like you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, like I said, that's it. So, bless you guys. Uh, thank you guys so much again. And we'll, we're going to have other testimonies we're going to share. But uh, if you want the notes to this, I have notes. 